God family. Amen, amen. Somebody say last day. Last day. <laughs> All the people on set up there, and I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> amen, we're so, so grateful. God's done so many incredible things, and uh, Pastor Nate mentioned it this morning in the huddle. Team gets here at 6.30 in the morning. It's, uh, it's such a testimony. But everything we do in life's worship, amen? Right. Everything that we do in life, it, it, it's a form of worship. Your job, it's a form of worship. Your parenting, it's a form of worship. Everything that we do unto the Lord is a form of worship, amen? Amen. And you know what the, the key with worship is? Listen to me, guys. I open up. You know what the key to worship is? God doesn't need anything. God doesn't breathe air. Y'all know that, right? God don't breathe air. God lives outside of time. God don't need time. It's very interesting when it comes to worship that God so adores your worship. And the reason why is because what you worship is what you become. What you worship is what you become. So my job and how I come and approach my job is a form of worship. Therefore, when I do something in a place of excellence, I become more like him. Parenting, coming and serving, the different things we do. When we're just loving people at the grocery store, amen? Yeah, let's practice that, amen. Let's love people at the grocery store. Yeah, let's have the biggest smile. Let's talk to people. Let's be completely outside of our skin and just love on people because that's a form of worship. And God so loves it. We become more like him, but he gets to meet people in the middle. So we're wrapping up today with part three of, of the house of, of house of prayer. Get it out, Howard. Of the house of prayer. And uh, in worship today... Uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to open up in prayer. I don't no normally do this, cause, um, but uh, Pastor Nate said this. Let's do this again, if you don't mind. Uh, put your hands on your heart. And I want you to start with me by saying this. Lord Jesus, I'm asking for an encounter like never before. Speak to my heart. And I choose to follow you. So, Father, we honor, we honor all these decisions right now. Scripture says we stand before heaven and earth, and we make decisions. And you honor these decisions that we make. And I'm asking, Lord, that you, you bring us into a place, even as Pastor Nate spoke about this radical encounter that Isaiah experienced in Isaiah 6. Let us, let us see your glory today, Lord. Uncover. Let us see your eyes of fire. Let us feel your passion. Let us feel your heart. We thank you for that encounter. We ask for a new place of grace upon our life to walk out this new season that you have us in. And we make a decision to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all can do better than that. Amen. Amen. So, uh, We'll see what I get through today. Um, I had a, a message like Pastor Nate shared. I, I hung out with him the other morning, had coffee, and I was bouncing some stuff off of him. But the Lord's kind of stirred in my heart to switch things up a little bit. Um, I feel like, you know, we, we started out with week one, and I said a door was opened up from heaven. Okay, this is scripture. It's Revelations 4.1. It says a door stands open in heaven, and God's always calling you to come up higher. Amen? And then over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about some different components of prayer what I feel in my heart today as I open up is I feel like the Lord wants to summon us. And I want you to hear me on this. The Lord wants to summon us before him. 
that was the word that God put in my heart. It, to me, it's, uh, I, I don't know how language is with you guys. Uh, to me, it rocked me a little bit. It's like if you were in trouble with someone that had a whole bunch of authority and they were summoning you to their presence, y'all would be scared, right? You'd be scared half to death. Or if it was somebody in power that had the ability to do anything for you in life and they were summoning you before them. Um, obviously, God's not mad at us and, you know, we're not in trouble or anything. But we're talking about the creator of the universe, the God of heaven and earth. And I feel like he's summoning us before him. And he's given us an invitation into something that is very unique. Do I have your attention? Are y'all with me? So when we opened up this, this, this message series, we opened up with some words of Jesus on the very last day, the last week he was on the earth. It's very important. All of his words are very important, but if he's going to leave the earth, I, I think that it would be, have a little bit more weight. And he goes in, he cleansed the temple. Um, it could be up on the screen. It's Mark 11. And he declares, my house shall be a house of prayer. All right, my house, say this with me, my house shall be a house of prayer. So you are the house of God and we are the house of God corporately. Okay? Everything begins with us. All right? We lead. All right? And then as we lead, things begin to follow. So we lead ourselves. We become a house of prayer. So Jesus is asking us to be this house. But there's more specific instruction today. So listen to this. This is the last week still we're on. Okay? We get now into the last 72 hours that Jesus is on the earth. And Jesus is in, most, in the most critical time of his life. The most critical time. It's actually when you see Jesus the most vulnerable in the last 72 hours. It's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in Matthew 26. And this is a very interesting picture that God gives us in Scripture of the God-man. Jesus is the God-man. He's fully God, but he's fully man. And Jesus is praying. And when he's praying, the passage in Luke says that he begins to actually sweat like blood. I don't think it's based on the prayer. I think it's based on the weight of what he's hearing from the Father. It's very interesting because of Jesus wasn't told everything off the rip. Jesus himself was a son of God who was led. Are you with me? From the very beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. Could it be that the father kept the son of God in a place of mystery up to the cross? And then he gets to this point where the father begins to explain to him, you yourself are going to deny me. What do you mean I'm going to deny? I'm going to put their denial on you. And there's going to come a point where you're going to become like them so that they can become like you. No, no, no. He begins to cry out to the Father that, that that's not an option. There's no way. Did he understand the, the weight of the nature that we took on? In this moment, he's saying there's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. And he prays three times and he's asking, there's got to be another way. And in this moment, this is Jesus being a watchman for the entire world, for the entire universe, for all of eternity. He's watching and he's listening to what the Father is saying so that he can actually flow inside of the plan 
that heaven has. And he asked his boys to pray with him. It says all the disciples asked them to pray. Okay? But he takes Peter, James, and John certain places. And then when he goes, and picking up in the narrative here, when he goes and he comes back, he finds them all sleeping. And you can see he went a little further, fell on his face. I'm going to fast forward. All right. Skipped on my, on my cheat monitor up here. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples. Notice this. It says he found them sleeping. He found the disciples sleeping. Now listen to this. And he said to who? He said to Peter. He don't say to nobody else. He don't say to Peter. I mean, he don't say to James. He don't say to John. He says to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Notice the phrase he uses. He didn't say pray. It's interesting to me that he's asking them to pray, and he's in this moment. Do you think he's asking them, are you hearing what I'm hearing? I'm praying about this three times. I don't know about this. And he's saying, can you watch with me? Watching is not praying. Watching is when the way it looks in the Old Testament is there was someone who stood on a wall. And they would watch to see if there was danger coming or a messenger. But they were guarding the city. Do you hear what I'm saying? In the Hebrew language, it means to peer out into the distance and see. This is what Jesus was doing for the entire universe. Was he asking the apostles to do this? Was he saying, can you watch my back for me? I need somebody to watch my back. Is this the summons that God is asking us? Is he asking you to be his personal intercessor, his personal watchman? Could it be this big that the secrets of heaven are only disclosed to the watchman. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not that God don't want to tell everybody. All right? In the Old Testament, there was only two people called a friend of God. There was more friends, but Scripture only says there's two. They were both intercessors, but they were both watchmen. Everybody who is an intercessor is not a watchman, but everybody who's a watchman is an intercessor. You can intercede for something and see God move, but a watchman is somebody who has a lifestyle that lives in the presence of God that's always peering off into the distance, and God says, I can trust them with my secrets. They wait in my presence, and they will always do what I ask them to do with what I tell them. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's kind of a big deal, don't you think? Top secret information from heaven. God doesn't reveal secrets to make us smarter. God reveals secrets because it's his heart, and it can be heavy, and he reveals secrets when he knows we'll do something about it. This is a really big deal. If we go back to week one, we says, why in the world do we pray? God did not want to give us something to do. I don't need a jump rope. I don't need something to do. Life is busy enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? God in his humility and his wisdom submitted himself to us. He says, I will move through mankind. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It blows my mind. The creator of the universe said, I will write you in the plan. And the way I'll move in this earth is through you. That's the why. But we're getting to a place where I can hear that. But God says, I need this tenderness. God, give us tenderness of heart. That's my prayer for myself. Because you see people in Scripture that starts off tender. 
And through the course of life, sometimes we become indifferent about the things that we see in the earth. i got to stay so tender, always willing to move and watch. What do you want to do about that, Lord? Do you hear what I'm saying? The great reformer Hezekiah, who God used to reform an entire nation, didn't stay tender. He was a reformer. He was a king. Don't think it can't happen to us. To stay tender. What's on your heart, Lord? What's bothering you? Jesus was not calling Peter out. That's not the nature of God. I want you to hear me on this. He's calling him forth. It's a big difference. God's not calling nobody out. He's calling us forth. He's summoning us. Peter, I'm summoning you. Later, Peter would write in the end of his life. He says, the end of all things is at hand. He says, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Think you learned a lesson, huh? It's pretty incredible. We have two incredible men of God in the Bible, and you can see it. One of them was put in jail. His life was taken from him. Peter was put in jail. It says the church offered constant prayer for Peter. An angel comes in. Knocks his shackles off, takes him out in the middle of the night. I needed that back in the day. Takes him out in the middle of the night and lets him go, if y'all know my story. <laughs> I needed constant prayer from me back then. <laughs> no, for real, the world's shackled, guys. The world itself is in a prison. Do you hear what I'm saying? But it says constant prayer was offered for Peter. Didn't say that about James. One was killed, one was saved. Did God like one more than the other one? No. God wrote us in the plan. Constant prayer was offered. There was people, and it says this, a group of people were praying nonstop. Peter was set free. Do you hear what I mean? You guys good? I feel like there's a summoning from God. I do feel like God brought us through a door, but once he brings you through a door, Jesus said when he was going to leave the earth, he says, you know, my father's got many mansions, many rooms. You know, there's, there's actual places in heaven that God's prepared for us. Somebody say amen. Yeah, there, there's an incredible place that God has prepared before us. But, you know, also that's also a picture of what God has for you now. There are doors, there are rooms that God has prepared from the foundation of the world for you now. And just because a door cracks open, I have to walk through. But sometimes God begins to give me instruction as I step inside the room so that I can actually walk inside of what's in the room. Whether that be an anointing, whether that be wisdom, whether that be provision, whether that be something so that God can shake the earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we've walked through a door, and I believe that the summons is God says, I'm calling you to be my personal watchman. Yeah, a watchman for your family. Absolutely. All right? Men, God calls you the head of the house. That means that we don't tell the wife what to do. That means we're watchmen and we peer off into the distance. As well as the wife does it too. All right? But it is because the two have become one and we communicate what is God saying so that we can direct the family. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we're called watchmen with our families. We're called watchmen within our communities. What about the school that my child goes to? Could God call me to be a watchman over that school? 
to keep predators out, to keep demonic influence out. Do you hear what I'm saying? What if God's called me to be a watchman over this church? What if he's even called you to be a watchman over another church? Yeah, another church where the enemy's trying to attack. And God says, yes, I will raise somebody else up in the body of Christ to protect another body. God says, that's my heart. We're one family. Amen. What if God's called you to be a watchman for the entire city of Tampa? For the entire city. This city was named the Bay of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's so prophetic and so profound. There's people, there's national figures who have been speaking, saying that revival is going to actually kick off in Tampa. These are not people that live in Tampa. These are people outside of the city, and God is speaking to them. What are they doing? They're watchmen. And they're hearing what God is saying, and they're proclaiming it. And there's people that are leaving different cities, moving to Florida, moving to Tampa, because God wants to do something. What if you're a watchman for revival? Revival just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Revival is birthed through prayer. It always is birthed through prayer. People misunderstand the sovereignty of God. And they say, no, God's just sovereign. No, God sovereignly wrote you in the plan. And he says, I need you to pray. Are y'all with me? You good? Do y'all hear the summoning? There's a summoning, but we have to go to action. We have to go to action. You'll hear Pastor Nate, he'll say this a lot. We can't just hear a cute message and just, you know what I'm saying, and some songs and leave. No, they're, they're, listen to me, guys. Neat. It always begins with this. It always begins with the decision in my heart. Lord, you got me. Like, for real, Lord. Scripture says everything is naked and open to God. That means you could tell me as the pastor, like, I'm with you. And in your heart, like, ah. But with God, he says everything is naked and open. When you tell God on the inside, I will follow you, then watch this. He puts something on you that allows you to do something a lot easier than you could do it in your own self. It's called grace, and that word sometimes tricky, but the early church fathers had it right. They called it the energy of God. It is the super on your natural, and when you begin to enter into this, you begin to flow with him. And it's not just, watch this, it's not just a dedication of time. It is even a passion. He, he even actually creates inside of you this deeper desire to go further, to go longer, to go harder. All these things so that I can't stand and boast and say, I did X, Y, Z. God says, no, it's my grace on your life. But he needs my yes. He needs my 100%. You got me. It starts there. Jesus says, you couldn't pray with me an hour? Isn't that a funny phrase? In God's mind, it's not. An hour? Yeah, there, there's a summoning. There's a lot packed inside of this. This was his most challenging hour. And I don't think he's calling nobody out. He's calling us forth. He's saying, where are you? Where are you? Come forward. I'm going to put something on your life. I'm going to differentiate you. That's what God does when he puts his grace on you. He differentiates you. Listen to me. You begin to be well-known in heaven, and that's a really good thing. It's a really good thing when you're well-known in heaven. We all want to be known inside of this earth, but it's powerful when you're well-known in heaven. All right? We shouldn't try to build a name for ourselves inside of the earth. We should try to build a name for ourselves up in heaven. 
okay? These dudes tried to cast some demons out one time, and uh, the demons beat the dudes slap up. And they said, you know, and, and the guys that was doing it didn't know what they were doing. And they, they said, we cast you out in the, the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons answered and said, oh, yeah, we know who Paul is. And we know who Jesus is. But we don't know who you are. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you're known in heaven, that's what happens. You carry that kind of weight in the earth. Yeah, the demons tremble when you walk. Scripture says there's no greater joy that God has when we walk in truth. And when you walk in the earth, there is a thunder. There is a sound that makes with your feet because of how you walk with him, how you're known in heaven. And God says, I make sure you're known, all right, inside of this earth. Amen. There's a summoning God's calling us to. And we need to have an action to it. We said over the last course of two weeks that, um, and not to revisit all of it, but you know, to have an effective prayer life or to, have a, um, to be a house of prayer, it's four things. And this is something Mike Bickle said, and I don't want to revisit all of that for time, but he's an incredible man of God. Please check out his teachings. All right? He started IHOP back in 1999. And um, he's just an incredible man of God, carries an incredible mantle for prayer. But he says the first thing is to create a list. I'm going to talk about that on the back side of the message. The second thing is to schedule a time. This is the part where in this part of the message here, I really want to challenge all of us. God does want us to schedule a time in prayer. And what I mean by that is there needs to be a time where it's not just driving. It's a time where I can quiet my soul. To be a watchman, I have to be able to quiet my soul and quiet my body. You are a spirit man or a spirit woman. You don't have a spirit, all right? You live in an earth suit. It's the funniest thing in the world. It is. Like, you are, we're like aliens, okay? We're a spirit man or a spirit woman, all right? And you live inside of this body, and you have an emotional, I mean, you have emotions, okay? Those emotions are loud. Your body is loud. And having a time, you allow yourself to quiet all those voices so that you can truly be a watchman. Okay, the more I do this, the faster the body and the soul calms down so that I can peer off into the distance and see what the Lord wants to say to me about my family, about my friends, about the one that's not saved. Come on, about the one that's not saved and God give me some details of his heart or her heart that can help my city revival. Are y'all with me? So there needs to be that, but I think that really inside of this, this piece right here, schedule of time, I feel the summoning is way more than that. So what God won't do is um, God won't tell you everything on the front side. He'll kind of like do the whole bait and switch thing on you. Seriously. He'll, like, he'll, he'll, he'll let you come inside the room and he'll put that grace on you and you'll start to feel it and you'll start to flow. And he'll ask you to come a little further. But you'll fall so deep in love with him. Seriously, guys, it's a journey. You'll you'll fall so much deeper in love seeing his beauty, seeing this incredible place of relationship with him. Um, You won't worry about how far he takes you, okay? The further we go in God, the less we can take with us. Yeah, the further we go in him, the less that we want to take with us. Am I scaring you now? You sure? I'm scaring you. There's this incredible intercessor. Um, He's with the Lord now. His name's Reese Howe. 
be a great guy to check out. And God used him to keep the Nazis um, during World War II. And like God used him mightily, him and a team of people, but just used him to literally redirect world history. Do you know what I'm saying? And he talks about how he was, he was saved, but he wasn't completely surrendered. We bring you into this moment for a minute. He said God spoke to him and says, by 6 o'clock tonight you have to give me an answer. Are you willing to give me your total will? He actually told the Lord this. He said, why's it got to be 6 o'clock? And the Lord spoke to him and says, you have till 6 o'clock. You read about him, you'll see, he says, in the anguish of his soul, he says he realized that his eternity rested, not his salvation, but the plan and the purpose that God had for him. He rested on him making a decision by 6 o'clock. All the way till 559, he held out. He says he completely surrendered his entire life. It's a decision. And he said at that moment, the Lord caught him up in the spirit and radically revolutionized his life. His life was never the same. His life was never the same. (laughs) are you willing do you hear what I'm saying this might be the greatest ministry in all the kingdom I heard this said one time and I love this the greatest expression of love is intercession because nobody knows you're doing it the greatest expression of love is intercession because no one knows you're doing it I feel like when we get to heaven, you won't see guys like me sitting around Jesus, even though I want to. I think you'll see the ones behind the scenes that would pray all night, that would be on their knees interceding the heart of Jesus. And Scripture backs this up. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that he gives greater honor to the parts that's less modest. I think those are the ones you'll see around his throne. See, in heaven, we're not going to be like, man, why, why, why hasn't he got a bigger throne than me? No, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, why, why, why so-and-so got it? Because there's no sin in heaven. You see what I'm saying? There's no darkness in heaven. There's no, there's no jealousy. There's none of that. So you won't get up there like we do now. We kind of joke around about it. It's not the same when you get there, but it is true. How we live our life on earth is how we reign in heaven. It is so true. Yeah, there are thrones set up in heaven for how we actually live our life now. You will reign throughout eternity. Yeah, it's a big, big deal. It's a big summons. My heart in sharing this is I'm really, to be honest, I'm just up here allowing the Lord to kind of move. I'm I'm completely away from what I put down on paper because I just know that God wanted to speak to our heart. I believe that God wanted to um, call us forth to challenge us and to give us a little bit of a picture of what could be. I really feel like you're the person, not the person next to you. You're the person. And you need to believe that and you need to say that. I'm your gal. I'm your guy. Seriously. That you need to say that to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm the person you can trust. And then at the same time, you're the person. You're the person that could be could bring the greatest restoration behind a global pandemic. Do you know anytime there was a major catastrophe in the earth, a world war? A big disease swept across a nation. Anytime there was a great famine, any kind of great recession, anything like that, that there was always a great move of God behind it. 
Why, why, do you think that's tr- why do you think that's so? You can study history and see it. See, God saw from the foundation of the world that we would fall. And he says, I'm not going to ball them up. I'm going to die for them, and then I'm going to trust them. I'm going to trust them with restoration. And then he saw down through time the mistakes that we would make. He saw the disasters and all that, and he would always put a place of breakthrough. But he would say, it comes to us to stand with him and contend to see it happen in the earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? We live in a time like when Esther did. Have you come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Have you? Have you come to the kingdom for such a time as this? In the book of Esther, it's the only book in the Bible that does not have God mentioned one time. And you see God all through that book protecting a nation and moving forth his plan. And it started with this young girl. Actually started with her uncle, then a young girl. Do you all hear what I'm saying? You're the person. You're the person that God says, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God began to unpack different things inside of his heart to help with what's going on inside the world right now. It's 4,000 churches start. 4,000 new churches start every month around the world. 4,000. That's a lot of churches, right? There's 7,000 that close. There's 7,000 that close every month. Why is that? Is it because of the climate? Is the enemy trying to make the church fear when God says, no, you're going to shine brighter and brighter? We're not going to leave on a hope helicopter and Jesus is going to save us at the last minute. He says, no, you're going to reign. You're going to reign as I reign, and when you leave, you're going to leave reigning. That's how it's going to happen. Do you hear what I'm saying? But could he give you the answer to bring healing whether it be inside of the church, whether it be outside of the church. Mike Bickle said this in 1982. Very powerful. He said the most powerful encounter he ever had with his eyes open. And he was on a 40-day fast. And coming out of a 40-day fast, he had this encounter with the Lord. And this is what God said to him. He says, I'm going to change the understanding and the expression of Christianity in one generation. I'm going to change the understanding and the expression of Christianity in one generation. And he said, by the Spirit, I knew what God was telling me, how the world views Christians, how the world views us. God says, I'm going to change that in one generation. That was in 1982. Do you hear what I'm saying? Could that happen in our generation? How does the world see us? God could change that inside of this generation, but he's looking He's looking for the watchman. Could you not watch with me? Could you not watch and pray? Amen. I'm going to wrap up and we'll move over to the backside. Oh, that confidence monitor is a, that thing's bad. Let's not put that up at uh, the next spot. It steals your confidence. That's what it does. The time, man. Somebody pray and make time stand still. It did that in the Old Testament. Y'all know that, right? Oh, this big list up here, man. Don't need no notes. 
I love to honor the people that went before us and we learned so much from them, but God expects us to take it to a, next, take it to a new place. All right, there's a, a pastor out of uh, California. His name's Bill Johnson, um, Bethel, and he said that uh, God's only spoke to him twice with an audible voice, and God woke him up in the middle of the night and said this to him, and he said it didn't make any sense. But this is what he said. He says, I'll watch over the watch of those who watch the Lord. I know it's kind of fast. I'm going to say it again. I watch. God spoke to him and said, Howard, I watch over the watch of those who watch the Lord, meaning that if you'll be a watchman for me, he says, I'll watch over every single thing that pertains to your life. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the Lord watching over your kids? Like we live in a time right now, you know what I'm saying, where people talk about when you go to the store, someone's trying to take a kid. Never walk in fear. Amen? Never walk in fear. Scripture says the glory of God is my rear guard. That's something I quote all the time. Anytime I hear that rascal start running his mouth, that fear. Uh-uh, the glory, my rear guard, meaning that even if I drop the ball, the glory's got my backside. Every area, your finances, huh? If my finances is struggling, God says, if you'll be a watchman for me, I'll watch over your finances. Yeah, God doesn't want us worried. God doesn't want us stressed out. God doesn't want us to live that way. But he does want us to come inside of this place where he says, watch for me. And let me watch for you. Help us to be tender, Lord. Help our hearts to be tender. So on the back side of this message, I'm going to deal with uh, a couple things on a list. And I want to give you three big pictures, but I want to start it with this. And I said this on week one. I really feel like God wants you to hear him when it comes to being a watchman. All right, And what I mean by that is God wants you to wait in his presence. And it's not one time, guys. It's not me, it's not me getting before the Lord in, in 15 minutes saying, okay, or even in 20 minutes and, and I hear something and moving on. Listen, you know, the tenderness of the heart is I want to wait in your presence. I want to hear. I want to write it down, and I want to wait again. Jesus prayed three times. Come on. Does anybody in here pray better than Jesus? He prayed three times. There's, there's got to be another way. And I feel like God wants to have this kind of tenderness when it comes to being a watchman. And I think he specifically wants to teach you, lean out into his presence and him speak to you at least three times about one thing that's on his heart right now. And I don't think it's going to be inside your family. We are a watchman, period, for our families. I don't need to hear from God on that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be a watchman. That means be in his presence, wait in his presence when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to your kids, when it comes to your inner circles, kids and family. Be a watchman for them. There's many things that God has spoken to me about my friends' lives that's protected my friends. And I've never even said nothing to them. And God wants us to be a watchman for our family and for that inner circle. But I think specifically God wants to speak to us about our communities, about our schools, listen, about our local politics, about different things inside of this place because this city will become the city of God. God is looking for a city that will make the city his, and the watchman is the way it works. And it's a body doing it together. Do you hear me? God will give each person a specific assignment 
God will begin to speak and say, this is what's on my heart. God will give you answers as well. All right? God will give you relationships, abilities with strategies to connect, execute, talk, communicate, all different things like that. Are you with me? But the first step is waiting. A watchman is someone who will wait in the presence of God. This is the assignment. Are y'all with me? Are y'all good? At least three days. Somebody say three days. So next Sunday when we come, next Sunday, 5 p.m. Somebody say 5 p.m. Yeah, y'all get to sleep in. <laughs> well, I'm hyped. <laughs> I'm hyped. <laughs> I'm telling you. Staying up late. Yeah. Eating potato chips, vegging out. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, man. <laughs> I started planning my day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. Yeah, for Sunday mornings. <laughs> I'm like, woo, life changed. Yeah. And uh, thank God for the City of God team. Because at first I was like, man, we ain't going that direction. It's like, man, you ought to pray about it. I'm like, man, no. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, praise God. Yeah, I'm happy now. Full of joy. Can't you tell? <laughs> Three days, guys. Next Sunday, 5 p.m., we kick off at St. James. You're going to love the environment. We get to hang out more. Seriously, we've got a lobby where we can just hang out. There's no rush. Seriously, you know, the environment's going to be so cool. I'm just pausing for a minute, completely just not looking at this monitor up here. Invite some people. Bring some people. I know we got some cards, you know. Bring some people with you. Listen, we're not trying to yank people to church. We're trying to bring people into the presence of God. All right, we are a church that's going after Jesus unapologetically. You are the main thing, just Jesus. Just Jesus. All right? Yeah. So if you want someone to experience Jesus, experience him, bring him. And by Sunday, you're going to know God's called me to be a watchman for this. God's called me to be a watchman for this. Now watch this. When you know, I want you to share it with somebody. Share it with somebody in the church. Yeah. Talk to somebody about it. Let them talk to you. You know what happens when you say it? You make yourself accountable. Yeah, you make yourself accountable. It's okay. Yeah. And then share it. And then begin to build something. Build a little network there. Talk to each other. How's it going? You see what I'm saying? And we're going to talk a lot more about prayer through our tenure. Okay? Something that will rest heavily upon this house. All right? Prayer is key for what God wants to do. Um. Olivia, you can come up. I told you to come up point one, point two, something, but uh, man, look at all these notes, y'all. Should I go through these? All these notes, all this highlighted stuff. The highlighted stuff is what I tell them to put on the screen. So that's the most important thing for us to be watchmen is to hear what God's saying, all right, and for God to put something specific on your heart. What I shared with you on week one is that, you know, the Lord spoke to me. And, I, I, you know, we do things already in the city of God. There's things that we feel like God wants us to champion. Homelessness, human trafficking. But God put domestic violence on my heart. That wasn't on my radar. God ain't cool with stuff like that. You hear me? But you know what? You have to have a tender heart. You have to have a tender heart to be a watchman and to intercede. Because if your life's good and there's nothing going on, a tender heart says, I will not allow that in my city. I'm not allowed that in my neighborhood. You can walk around your neighborhood. Walk around your neighborhood and just pray. Walk down the street. You, your wife, your kids, walk and pray. Seriously. And say, not in this neighborhood. No domestic violence in this neighborhood. Yeah. Doesn't matter how the neighborhood looks. Walk around the neighborhood. 
And it could be something like that. There's a prophetic act where God says, you'll take that neighborhood for me. You see how powerful that is? Maybe we shouldn't even get to this list. But start with that. Start with something that God's placed on your heart. Everybody say three days. Three days wait before the Lord. Find a time where you don't have to look at your watch. Seriously. Find a time where you don't have to look at your watch. Okay? If you're married, kids, stay up late. After the kids are in bed, wife's in bed, husband's in bed, whatever. Stay up later, get up early. But find a time where, you, where you're not, you know, we got to go to work, stuff like that. But find a time when you can be still long enough to quiet the soul, quiet everything, and God can speak. One more time, three times. One more time, three times. All right. I'm going to bounce through this list real quick. And... Uh, if you want the notes, we'll send them to you. So the first thing is we always want to be a watchman for is the lost and those who are hurting, those who've walked away from the Lord. There's a lot of people in this season that's walked away from the Lord. So we want to actually be a watchman for the lost. Jesus said in Matthew 9, 37 and 38, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. And look what he says. He says, pray. He says, pray. One thing prayer does, it doesn't say that I can't share the gospel, all right? But God wants me to pray. God wants me to intercede for the lost. But at the same time, that tenderizes my heart when I see people around, all right? I was at Panera the other day, and I watched a young man bowing down to the wall in Panera, okay? And he's worshiping what he feels is God. That should provoke me to action. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. And it did. And I talked to him. You know what I'm saying? But that's what prayer does. It tenderizes the heart to where when I see something, I don't just keep walking by. All right? And sometimes prayer gives you a ridiculous boldness. Like, I'm not worried about how I sound. I'm not trying to be the, the most polished. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what it does. So it allows you out in the open, all right, to be someone who will reap it in. Reaping the harvest. I got to go through just because of time. All right. So there's, I put, I put prophetic, uh, I put these prayers in here that's in the epistles in every one, in every one of these. And in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, um, the apostle Paul, he's got these prayers in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. They're in Thessalonians too. But, you know, this is what he says. He says, I pray that my love will abound more and more. And then he says, watch this, in knowledge, and he says, all discernment. So, so hear me on this. The first thing, listen, as a watchman, is as we're praying for the lost, this is what I feel God wants to give us. God wants to give us this ability to be discerning. Discerning amongst ourselves, but just discerning. That doesn't mean that I'm, I'm thinking weird things about people or conspiracy theories. A discernment from the Lord. So this is a prayer that we can put inside of our resume and just pray it back. Lord, give to me. All right, more love and discernment. Do you see what I'm saying? Give it to me so that I can have a discerning heart and impact the world. All right, so the second thing is revival and reformation. Somebody say revival. Revival is only the first step. Reformation is when a city's changed. Revival is when God begins to sweep through a city with fire. People get saved, healed, all those things. But it's supposed to actually rise to a place of reformation where a city's changed. 
It's changed in the politics. It's changed with first responders. It's changed in all places of life where it becomes the city of God. Whoa. So Romans 8, 26 through 28, I'm not going to read that, but it's a place where the Holy Spirit intercedes through us. In Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, this is that apostolic or that prophetic prayer that the apostle puts here. And it says, God, you know, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Another translation says, flood the eyes of my heart with your glorious light. So God wants you to get wisdom and revelation in three areas, calling, inheritance, and power. But let me say it another way. God wants us to have this type of insight from heaven to release revival and reformation in the earth. All right? So these are three main things as watchmen. The last one is our city, our country, and our leaders. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, I exhort first of all, first thing is to pray for, give intercession for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. It goes on to say, um, that God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't know if you guys can fast forward through the points. I'm not going to do Colossians and Ephesians there. The last thing is I got on there is the heart of our Father, His will, um, and I got culture of family. And what I mean by that is that what God wants to happen inside of our city is God wants His heart and His will to be known. We as Christians sometimes, we have trouble with that. We say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. This is the will of God right here, guys. This. This is the will of God. As we pray, God begins to open up mysteries and, and, and share his heart, his will. But I went a little bit further because God wants the culture of family. That's his heart. That's his will. He wants the culture of family to be known in different places. On serve day, we went to this uh, fire station down the street, and we fed them. Okay, and um, we just wanted to give them free food, but we also wanted to let them know, hey, guys, can we pray for you? And they said, yeah, absolutely. But we told them, said, you know what, this is not the only time we pray. Like, we, we pray behind the scenes for you and for police officers and all first responders to let them feel this culture of family. Do you hear what I'm saying? You guys made that possible when it comes to feeding them. And, uh, you know, so that, that's our heart is for this to permeate throughout the city with our leaders, One of the things that God will ask us as watchmen is He'll ask us to pray sometimes about heavy situations. Heavy situations that's going on inside of cities. Tampa ranks in the top 10 in human trafficking. That means people are being taken against their will and they're being abused. It's such an injustice. And sometimes things like that are really heavy, but God says, I can, I, can, I can give you insight. I'm God. I can change that. I can make it to where you're not in the top ten, that you're not even a, a metric. You're not even a metric inside of that city. But, but guys, we, 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 can't just, we can't just look away. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you notice in the city that you see it on the buses? I've never seen that before. In any city I've lived in, I've never seen it. It's on the buses. That's, that's how you know that it's an epidemic inside of the city when they have it on the buses. Police officers have it on their cars. What are they saying? Seriously, what are they saying? They're saying we need help. We need help. With all of our effort and all of our fighting, we can't seem to get over the hump. Maybe it's a watchman. 
Maybe it's a watchman. Maybe the watchman begins to get strategies from heaven and begins to just prophesy those strategies over the police officers, over the first responders. Then all of a sudden, these hotbeds where you see stuff like this, all of a sudden is exposed. And not only are the the, uh, criminals caught, but these demons are kicked out of Tampa. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then watch this. Word begins to spread. Not in this city. Not in this city. I'm glad this is the last day because we're probably going to get kicked out. Just joking. (laughs) You guys good? You know, my my heart is, you know, to share what God placed on my heart today, but I I just, I really feel a stirring in my own heart. You know, it's kind of like a a churchy phrase. Um, To use another word, I, I, I feel the fire in my belly. I can feel the warmth of God. And I know that the the warmth is not a feeling. The warmth is there's something on my heart that's burning that I would like you to be a part of, Howard. I would like you to be a part of. So there's a summoning that God's asking us to come inside of. And I believe in the next week he's going to talk to us. Amen. If you don't mind, just bow your heads. Have you walked inside this room today? And you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to hear me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means if you die today, you don't know where you would go. I want you to raise your hand. Come on. Come on. So I want you to hear me. Jesus Christ died for you and he loves you. He died for you. He was buried for three days. That was our punishment. He went through that punishment for us. And the Father raised him from the dead so that we could be justified and live forever. I want you to say this with me out of your mouth because as we believe that in our heart and confess that with our mouth, he comes to live on the inside of us and he radically changes us. And it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of a journey. So church family, say this with me out loud. Lord Jesus, Come into my heart and save me. I repent of my sin and I choose you as my Savior. Help me to walk this journey all the days of my life. So Lord, I ask right now for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit upon those who raise their hand and upon everybody in the church baptize us afresh in your love inside of your grace help us this week to hear clearly your direction as a watchman in Jesus name amen come on let's give it up for the Lord